0: I want you to tell me that you think he is cognitively strong enough to lead this country against China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and a new axis of evil, and that he's the guy he cannot articulate the economy the way you just did. Yeah, but uh, I don't think he's capable. I know he's capable. I see results. I've seen a masterclass in results the last few years. You don't...
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Steve Hilton show. Um, This is about a week after we launched Golden Together. Um, I hope you were following that. GoldenTogether.com for all the information. Why do we launch Golden Together? Because I think it's incredibly important that all of us who are here in California, who are committed to California, like I am, love this state. We're not leaving like so many people are, right? We've got to think, what do we do about it? And sometimes, you know, you see everything that's going on. And you see on every single area of policy, you see it on crime, you see it with the homelessness, you see it with the ridiculous tax burden and the regulatory burden that our small businesses have to face and with water and energy and on and on with the schools, everything. I mean, you can't think of a single thing that's going right as a result of these far left Democrats who have this political monopoly and presiding in over it all. Is Gavin Newsom um, and you look at all that and you just think what's the point and that's why a lot of people are leaving and I say no because you know to quote an unlikely person on this show uh, Chairman Mao, Chairman Mao said a thousand mile journey starts with a single step and that is true and that's what we're doing as far as I'm concerned for me this is the first step which is to get in there in the conversation, no longer just being a commentator, but a participant. Coming up with ideas, practical solutions for how we fix our problems. And not just coming up with the ideas and the policies, but actually selling them, because that's really important as well. We've got lots of smart people in think tanks and in the legislature and, you know, for years, you know, on the conservative side, you've got the Hoover Institution, you've got the California Policy Center, on and on, but the Pacific Research Institute, you've got all the great legislators, many of which we've had on the show. All got great ideas for how we make things better and solve these problems in a common sense, practical way. But you've got to be out there selling them, otherwise nothing's going to happen. And so that's really what we're trying to do at Golden together. And the reason for that whole preamble is that um, I was watching on TV, and many of you may may well have been watching as well, on Fox News, Sean Hannity interview Gavin Newsom, and this portrayal of California as this kind of fantastic success story that was coming across the screen. I mean, th- th- honestly, those of us who live in California would watching that with like, ju- you know, you know that term jaw dropping, right? I, I, I sort of understood that physically, like my jaw just dropped. Like what is he saying? What planet are we on? Certainly not planet reality. So that's what made me think about all this. Um, and to talk about it, we have our friend, Jen Horn, who, of course, is the host of uh, The Morning Answer AM 870, Los Angeles and Southern California. We are, are one of, you know, like our really good friends um, on this show and in life. Jen, I've got to ask you. <laughs> OK, I've talked for a little bit. What did you make of the Gavin Newsom, Sean Hannity interview?
2: I want to make sure that Sean Hannity is still working for Fox because I thought maybe he went to work as a press secretary for Gavin Newsom. If there was a helper for Gavin Newsom's image across the country, it was Sean Hannity. And uh, and look, Steve, I I know Sean Hannity lightly. I've met him a few times. He always seems like a nice enough guy to me. This is not a huge attack on him. But it seemed to me that he was like grossly underprepared for the interview or for the style of Gavin Newsom and Gavin Newsom, on the other hand was ready to attack and he was ready to address every right wing talking point that he could come up with. And so it just seemed like Gavin Newsom ran over Hannity and I like you. And I think it's funny because we both sat down and kind of looked at each other and went, did you see the Gavin Newsom interview? I mean, we know how, dangerous gavin newsom's policies are because we've lived through it we're living here in california that's not a political thing if you ask anybody democrat republican or in between if california is in a better position today than it was 10 years ago everybody would tell you that our state is in decline and a lot of that is the decision making and the policy driven by gavin newsom
1: so exactly
2: I haven't been worried about him as a potential presidential candidate because I've always said, well, people are going to see right through him this baloney. He's got the albatross around his neck of people living in Nebraska who say, well, we don't want Nebraska to be California. Uh, Thank God he has that that albatross because he just repaired his image, I think, with the entire country sitting with Hannity and almost gloating about the successes of California that don't feel like reality. It's the ultimate practice in gaslighting.
1: Exactly. We'll get to the details because you know there was no fact checking, and that's the, the sort of no. central point. And and you know and and, and I mean we'll do it here because there's so much to get into. But I want to make an overall point, and I think you're exactly right. And this is not, I don't want anyone to think, you know, this, this is some kind of, ind- look, if you're a regular uh, viewer or listener to this show, you know what I think about mm-hmm. about him and them and the, and the Democrat far left policy agenda, whatever. This is absolutely not any kind of endorsement. However, it's just a professional observation, right? An analytical observation about that performance, which is he was really, Just as a performance, it was really impressive. It was high energy. It was engaging. He wasn't. He was smiling. He was. You know, it was it was charming in in its own way. Of course, based on total fantasy about the actual record. And when he, you know, went beyond California, you know, totally wrong on all the all the uh, national policies. Of course, that's true. I'm going purely on performance. And and so much of politics is that. Okay. We know that that's a huge part of it. There's mm-hmm. no point just saying, oh, well, you know, he was wrong about all the fact, of course, and we'll get to that in a second. But just in terms of the energy he brought, it was really, you know, okay, here's the test. What do you think he and his advisors will have been doing after that performance? Would they be sort of Drinking sitting there? plumjack plump
2: jack wine. Right, exactly. Plump <laughs> Celebrating. Jack, sparkling
1: wine, if they do right. it. High-fiving, although they know how well it went for him. Mm-hmm. And you only have to look at what you might call Democrat-stroke-progressive left-wing Twitter, which I did a little... Like, they are absolutely over the moon. They said, honestly, every single comment on that interview from the left, from Democrats, whether that's Democrat pundits or politics, whoever, was like, wow, he needs to be our candidate. That's how you sell the Democrat record. He steamrolled, Hanley. he walked all over. That's what we need. He went into the Fox, Lions, Den and da, 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 all this stuff. We need him now. And that was the goal, right? Yeah. Because he's desperate to be president. We know that. That's that's what he's been focused on for years, not us here in California. No. And so that was the point of it, to show the Demo. It's not about the Fox audience. It's actually that his audience for this interview was the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. to show them that he could be a much more effective standard bearer than Joe Biden. And And he absolutely nailed it on that front.
2: I think the lion's den or the fox's den was unfortunately guarded by a kitten instead of a fox, that's for sure. not that I think that Hannity should have hit him or, or tried to, to scream at him, but he should have been better prepared to ask him some follow-up questions when when Newsom started going piece by piece. But you're right. It's not even about what he said, but how he said it. And his people should be very happy because he looked not only um, – very coherent, which when you set him next to the current Democrat president, I, the fact that he wasn't drooling on himself and he was able to stay on, on point and stay on a sentence and not tell you about his favorite ice cream flavor was really, really good. But the word that I think that you missed in your analysis, which was right on, is confidence. He, yes, yes. He sat down. He seemed friendly. He even talked about being a business owner. This guy was born with the silver spoon in his mouth, but he seemed like a guy like me who runs a business. He seems like a guy who understands the ways of the world. And he didn't seem afraid to back down of any He, he instilled this sense of, of confidence that we haven't had in this country in a couple of years because of Biden's yeah. leadership. And so when you have that and you see him in this vessel, which is like out of central casting for presidential candidates, um, you realize that he's a greater threat than probably any of us in California at least same people in California want to acknowledge
1: I completely agree so I've been saying for quite a long time and I, and actually this is that's why I like that this interview was significant that actually and do you remember we've talked about it I think before there was that there's that piece written. I'm going to try and remember the headline it was so brilliant. It was, a, it was a Democrat pundit, Josh Barrow. Do you remember? And the headline was so great. It was something like, Gavin Newsom is gross and embarrassing and will never mm-hmm. be president. And he yeah. went through it and it was very persuasive. And the headline was a very, you know, kind of brutal. But he went through all the reasons that Gavin Newsom is a bad idea for Democrats, right? He won't connect mm-hmm. with people in, the, in, 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 in swing states. He's very kind of coastal elite-y. Um, he doesn't really have the kind of political skills. You know, went on and on like that. All these different reasons. He's got personal baggage, etc. cetera. And I and it was very persuasive. And so I had this thing. I've, I think I may have said it before, which is, oh, the best that, you know, the best thing for Republicans is that they nominate Gavin Newsom because right. he'll be a disaster. I, I think I may have said that. I, mm-hmm. I, I need to, you know, I basically saying that, that I don't I, that I need to retract that because what he showed, I mean, it could still be a disaster if he's the nominee. You never know. You know, it's unpredictable. But he definitely showed. Real political skills, as you just did, and and yeah. and and I think you're exactly right. It's the threat because you compare him to Biden. My goodness.
2: Oh my gosh, uh, it's it's amazing. And I also think that um, what we have to be worried about with with Gavin Newsom is the ability of the party right now to kind of shift him in. You know, it's weird. It hit right. me a couple of days ago um, when the Trump indictment became the news of the day, right, and everything else disappeared. It was all about the indictment and the arraignment and all of that. I thought to myself, how can they go after Trump for the classified documents if they don't go out after Biden? What if they do oh. go after Biden? And what if that is their their escape Brilliant, hatch healing. to pull so that he no longer is a factor? They don't have to worry about looking mean spirited for pulling him out. Kamala Harris assumes role and Gavin Newsom would have no problem primary and Kamala yeah. Harris and probably could maybe make a deal with her, give her a cabinet position, or promise her a Supreme Court spot, or whatever it is, to try to make the deal to get people gathering behind Gavin Newsom. Because our friend Larry Elder says something that's really key: the voting block of Black women Democrats are not going to appreciate having Kamala Harris pulled out of contention, mm-hmm. and you need that block right now, especially mm-hmm. as demographics are, are kind of is finding themselves in different parts. You know, things are shifting. It's a shifting time. And so you can't have a, like just a blatant removal of Kamala Harris, who's grossly unpopular. Maybe this is the way that you get him in to to office or get him into the race, into the running. They sneak him in. And then all of a sudden it is Gavin Newsom. And the scary, I think when I was watching the interview and I say it's frightening, it should terrify Republicans because we know it's not this is not just scare tactics. We know what Gavin Newsom's policies can do to a beautiful state like ours. Yeah. So it, it is really scary. But if you just listened to him and so many people don't have time to get as engaged as you do, or as probably people listening to the show are engaged in politics, they live, they, they're interested. But for the average person who's just taking their kids to school, just going to work, playing Pokemon Go on their cell phones, they're going to listen to Gavin Newsom for 15 seconds. And they're going to say, he sounds pretty good. Yes. They're not gonna pay attention to what he really does. They're just gonna listen to what he sells. It's very similar to the Obama um, I think, phenomenon that rocked people. They liked how he said things. They may yeah. not like what he did so much, but they loved how he said it.
1: Yeah, exactly. He had he had energy and, and he smiled and was yeah. you know like and and, and and also had a sort of ability to I mean, actually this is one of the fact check points, which I think is ridiculous that he was allowed to get away with it. But you know, he kind of I own this and I, yeah, that was dumb mm-hmm. and th- this and that, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in a second because I want to really acknowledge that point about Biden and the documents case. That is so interesting. I haven't heard anyone say that, but you're right. I mean, maybe that is the plan.
2: Maybe that's how they can go after Trump and not Biden. Maybe they really are going after Biden or, and, or
1: even if it's not like at a, the same level, like a Right. criminal prosecution, but it's something bad enough that it, it's a sort of prompt for him to get out.
2: My other wild theory is that, um, and I don't know how wild it is anymore, but it was really interesting because my mom and I do not vote the same. I've probably told you about this. She is a Almost lifelong Democrat. I think she voted Republican in her first election, then switched, and she is a big supporter of the Democrat Party. And when the news came out that there were audio tapes, perhaps of the Biden family making deals with this foreign national from uh, from Ukraine Mm -hmm. who may even have ties to Russia, I said to her, "I said, oh, that would be first of all, it's really bad for our country, just period." Mm -hmm. And she goes, "Oh, impeach Biden." And I said, "What? That's your guy? You loved voting for Biden." Oh no, he's too old we want to get rid of him. And I that got me to thinking Amazing. that maybe that's another way. Maybe this is the blessing that the Democrats are looking for if they can say not only that they shift someone new in but they're the party of law and order and that we just keep recycling the same old guys around. Um that gives Gavin Newsom a really it's strong really place to start from. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean what I don't know is the there are there are but I you know they'll figure it out. I mean because in this in this situation. Um you know, the rules, like getting on the ballot and this and that, deadlines, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I mean, those things do matter. Um, let's go to some of the things he said, the substance. So I thought the most egregious set of distortions, I don't want to say mm-hmm. lies, because I'm sure that they were in their own right. You know, you could sort of fact check them and it would come out with sort of mostly true, you know, but totally out of context.
2: Right. Was the set
1: <laughs> OF STUFF HE WAS GOING ON ABOUT THE CALIFORNIA ECONOMY. Um, WE'LL STOP AT THREE OR YOU WANT TO DO THE WHOLE... NO, end? NO,
2: WE'LL JUST ANSWER right. ONE AT A 18 TIME. 18
0: STATES, 18 STATES HAD DECLINES IN POPULATION. California's WAS 0.3%. YOU right. DIDN'T BRING UP ANY OF THE RED STATES THAT HAD DECLINE IN POPULATIONS. IT'S AN INTERESTING FACT AND I DON'T SEE IT ON HERE. AN INTERESTING OMITTED FACT. WHAT'S THAT? PER CAPITA, MORE FLORIDIANS MOVED TO CALIFORNIA THAN Californians MOVING TO FLORIDA. That, I don't imagine, is in one of your eight slides. Let me take another stab at this. In 2021, California had 7.8% of GDP growth in this country, one of the fastest-growing economies anywhere on planet Earth. This state continues to be the tentpole of the American economy. 25.6% of all American jobs came from this state in April. In the last two fiscal years, we enjoyed $177.7 billion in operating surpluses. We're on our way to be the fourth largest economy, eat your heart out, Germany, in the world. Number one, in R&D, venture capital, more scientists, researchers, more Nobel laureates, more patents emanating out of this state than any other state in America. With all due respect, Florida doesn't even come close, eat your heart out, Texas. California continues to be the dominant
1: economic engine I, for the American I you, like this Nirvana, right? Everything's yeah. fantastic. Whatever, it's just so far from the truth. I mean, just some very simple facts. One, we now have the highest unemployment in the country, apart from one other state, Nevada, and the DC district. So we're forty ninth out of fifty when it comes to jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And he was he was like making out with with this incredible economic powerhouse. Uh, number two on that. We are 50th out of 50 on business climate. So he was talking about all these companies. Also there was a ridiculous statistic that was put up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't say this, but you know, uh, to kind of prove the point about businesses leaving it was data from like between 1990 and now (laughs) it
2: was like, what are you talking
1: about? Like there's so much better information out there. Anyway, we are 50th out of 50 States, you know, independently ranked on business climate,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we are number one highest tax rates, right? Some, just to be completely transparent, there are some measures of the overall tax burden. If you add up property sales, this, that, and the other, where we're not number one, that goes, I think, to New York, but we're still number two or three, right? Just right. to be clear, it's just not that mm-hmm. clear cut. Always worst at the top the of nation. the list, yeah. So we, you know, like nearly worse. But we are the actual worst on tax rates, um, and at the same time as having the highest taxes, we have the worst poverty. Mm-hmm. So these are incredibly, da- and that, by, by the way, again, just, I put this all out. You can, people can check it on my Twitter. I put the sources, right? So no one thinks this is all kind of BS, actual sources to actual original documents. And then the poverty measure, I know every time I say this, some people say, well, it's not true because there's this measure of poverty and whatever. And and again, with statistics, you can do a lot of things, as Gavin Newsom showed us. But this is the the poverty measure is from the Census Bureau. I I linked to the actual document and they have something called the SPM, the Supplemental Poverty Measure. And that's Mm -hmm. the real one, because that is basically the measure of what it's like to live. That takes into account the costs of things and whatever. That's the real kind of because a lot of the poverty measures include government transfer, you know, payments and say, well, you're not poor, but but, but actually in in a state like California, where there's a lot more extra welfare payments on top of the government, uh, the the federal welfare payments, you can, you can look quite, you you know, you're not as poor as in other states where they don't hand you so much money, but actually things cost a fortune, both in terms of consumer goods and, and housing and whatever, it doesn't matter. And so that's why that's the real measure, the Supplemental Poverty Measure, SPM, it's in this document, I've linked to it, we are the worst in the mm-hmm. country, highest taxes, worst poverty. And you can go on and on down this, but that's the sort of basic point, which is that this, the economy of California, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like running on fumes in a, to a certain extent because we've got this legacy of really successful industries. We've got tech, we've got entertainment, agriculture, aerospace, you know, but they're all being hit in different ways yeah. and leaving and doing what, and, or, or you know, in the case of even agriculture where you, obviously you can't leave, but there's a lot of farmers just not farming. Because it's... because of the uh, water situation. So sorry, I'm going on and on. But I mean, no, but the, you're he's so painting right about this, this picture of this vibrant economy. And yeah, it's true that it's still big. Right. Because mm-hmm. we have these globally dominant industries. But it's really complacent to think that that's just going to keep, you know, rolling on and the money's going to come rolling in when the businesses are rolling out.
2: Yeah. And it's big because there are still a lot of people in California. But if you drive up the five freeway, great point, you see all of the signs that say this plot of dust sponsored by the California legislature or this plot, this, this dead farm sponsored by Gavin Newsom. That's not made up. That's there. You also have corporations that have been driven from the state, but more importantly, all the small businesses that were forced out under COVID. And these were things, I mean, there was the opportunity for Hannity to say you had really restrictive measures under COVID. Exactly. It didn't even come up what did that do to the small businesses in your state and my goodness one of our top industries hollywood our motion picture industry there i just read an article the other day in variety that talks about not only i mean we've had them leaving productions leaving california for years but even more because it is now people are going to canada they're going to north carolina they're going to louisiana they're going to all of these there's a massive new
1: albuquerque massive new sound Studios. they're out
2: they're yeah. out because it is incredibly difficult to do business and this is this is where the crux of the problem with Gavin Newsom comes you and and by the way Joe Biden does this too you tell people it's so much better than they actually feel i work multiple jobs yeah. i work really hard it's still hard to afford a the house you want to live in in california i don't know how first-time buyers uh, you can even jump into the housing market and then you have all the homeless people who are on the streets yes we've incentivized a whole new area of homelessness but there are people in need who are out of their homes who get themselves into programs but can't afford to live in california but they can't afford to go anywhere else either and he laughed off the homeless problem saying well yeah it's really bad but well uh, let's get to that in a second it's republicans right
1: yeah i want to get to that in a second because there's that was shameless as well Mm -hmm. let's just finish wrap up the economy part of the conversation just to throw in this i mean you're so right and this is another data point that was fresh right this this could have been put to him um Because it just came out. It was United Ways of California Mm -hmm. published there. This was last week, at the end of last week. I I talked, I can't remember if I've talked about it on this show. I've certainly put it out there on social media. An amazing thing, again, using Census Bureau data, this is the number of the proportion of Californians who cannot meet their basic needs. Mm -hmm. 34%, like more than a third. 34% cannot meet their basic needs. That's a shameful number.
2: It's inexcusable. And
1: this is from the people who endlessly lecture everyone about, oh, the vulnerable, you know, like we're compassionate and whatever. It's just 34% of Mm -hmm. Californians cannot meet their basic needs. How dare he, frankly, brag about this amazing sort of economic miracle? It's an economic miracle for the super rich, basically. If you're not super rich, then you're really struggling in in, in Gavin Newsom's California. And I think there's a a further point I just want to make, which applies to all these issues which is, again, I, I want to be fair. It is true that a lot of the bad stuff that has caused all this comes from the state legislature. People don't mm-hmm. appreciate that enough, right? That a lot of, you know, the tax stuff and the regulatory, you know, the business red tape and on and on, it comes from the legislature. But, but who controls the legislature? The Democrats have been in charge mm-hmm. with, with the supermajority for years. Right now it's 62 to 18 in the, in the assembly. They're right there in the same building. I was there Mm -hmm. in Sacramento. They're literally in the same building, same party, same building. So what's he doing? Even if he says, oh, it's the legislature, what are you doing about it? Why why can't you work with your colleagues to stop the craziness? No, because they actually are all one blob of progressive far left crap that is sort of, you know, washing over the state. and, And we're sinking in it.
2: Yeah, he's he could go and you can't you couldn't convince me otherwise. And I'm in complete agreement with you. It is it is not authentic. It is not honest to say that it's the legislature because Gavin Newsom and the Democrats travel together. He is the leader of that party in this state. Yes. If he went to them and said, hey, we need to create a more positive business environment. Hey, we need to lay out some of the regulations to make things more affordable for people. They would do that. But. They don't. They're following the leader. And so he can yuck it up with Sean Hannity, yeah. but he's not being true. But also and just he's on not that, being there's authentic. a very
1: specific practical thing, you know, and I speak now someone who's, you know, worked in government and politics and so on. A lot of it, this comes back to his. Total focus on running for president because a lot right. of this is actually being there and and spending time face time with the legislators and mm-hmm. policy meetings and whatever and just being there in Sacramento. It's very boring compared to you know running off to Florida and yet making videos yelling at Ron DeSantis, right? which yeah. is like what he has been doing. This is a crucial time. For like, this is every year. This is when we talked about it with Susan Shelley the other day. They, they're p- pushing all their bills, and there's endless thousands of, of new laws being pushed. Out. <sighs> Crazy. Like, this is uh, the budget being done. This he should be there, right? Mm-hmm. And should have been there the last few months, like face to face. What are we doing, guys? Look what's happening here. Look at what's the plan. Let's work together. What a, instead? For example, here's another example of how bad this is, and 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 how he shouldn't have been allowed to get away with this stuff, right? So in this classic way he has of saying, you know, and it's this sort of fake disarming honesty where Mm -hmm. he will say, yeah, it's terrible, right? It's terrible that we don't, you know, and this particular example I'm going to give you, it's like terrible that we haven't built enough housing and infrastructure. It's really terrible. We got to do it. And so he publishes his plan. Mm -hmm. This is the other week, sends it to the legislature. And within, I think it's twenty-four, maybe forty-eight hours, they they just sort of throw it straight back at him and say, mm-hmm. "Sorry, it's too late. We can't do it this year." Whatever. So he gets like a news cycle of headlines saying, "Gavin Newsom announces plan to get California building infrastructure, fantastic energy, this that," <laughs> but it's dead and it's going nowhere. Completely yeah. dead on arrival from his own party. Why? Because he didn't put the time in, right? Yeah. To spend the last. If he'd have been sitting there with them going to meetings, spending the time, you know, then they could have published it together. Like, here's our plan. But it wasn't. So, oh, crap, I better do something about him. Here, put out this infrastructure thing. You know, they publish it, get a few good headlines. The next day, the Democrats say, sorry, not happening this year. No time. Right. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely inexcusable. It's his own party.
2: It's his own party. He should have no roadblocks in getting his agenda done, making things better for us. Things are not getting better for us. You're absolutely right. He is an absentee governor. He travels around a lot. He does speaking engagements a lot. He yells at Ron DeSantis a lot. He goes on vacation a lot. He is not in the state all that much. And when he is, and I think this is really... um, Probably the most, this is something he could do to better himself if he does want to look like a presidential candidate, by the way, is to pop the bubble. He lives very much in a bubble in Sacramento where he travels from Napa Valley with his winemaker buddies, who all have a lot of money. He travels in circles. He's hanging out with lobbyists. He's doing the French laundry. He's got a lifestyle that most of us do not have. And I don't get mad at him for that. I am a capitalist. Good for him. Yes. But if he wants to look like he cares about the economic. Future of California, he'd sit down in meetings with people who are running businesses, who are trying to build the houses, and you never see him do that. You see a photo opportunity of him picking up a piece of trash on the side of the freeway, and then he's back to Napa again. He's Uh, not involved,
1: and it's reminded me of another thing. Okay, exactly. So by the way, and and actually, that's what I've been doing. You know, with Mm -hmm. Golden Together. I mean, I literally have been literally what you're talking about. Sitting down, sitting with. I was in the Central Valley talking with. House builders there about all the barriers they face. Farmers mm-hmm. in Salinas. You know, like, oh, that's what I've been doing. But this, here's the thing. You're right about the, the picking up trash thing, okay? So th- yep. this is a real feature of how he operates that that I think is just, you've got to get behind it. Because again, superficially, it's kind of disarming and positive. And you think, oh yeah, that's, you know, your immediate reaction is, yeah, that's cool that he said that, right? It's this constant thing where he in order to curry favor or connect with the mood or, you know, empathize with someone or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's the audience or the story, whatever, he'll kind of be on the side of the outrage. So like the best example, was do you remember the, the the train in LA the the train yeah. thefts right and he's down yep. by the train thefts and there's absolute chaos like squalor like a like a third world country and mm-hmm. he goes down and said can you what did he say like he's cursing I can't believe this what's going on here as if like who well, who's in charge like honestly you
2: created this <laughs> like what are you talking but he does
1: it's actually kind of you you've got to get behind it because it's it's a te- it's a technique of of, it's a, of, it's a of avoiding tick blame. Of his. And you it's are like, so right. It's this sort of outrage. Oh, it's terrible. This is real. I can. Can you believe this? I said, well, you're the guy who's in charge, and that brings me to homelessness. So that's what yeah. he did with homelessness with Hannity. He, He's he the says, guy. He, he, He's the he, guy that
2: goes, take me to your manager. It's like, you are the manager. You've got to look in the mirror if you're angry about what's so happening. The, the
1: homelessness thing was just unbelievable. Housing costs are too high.
0: Our regulatory thickets are too problematic. Localism has been too impactful, meaning people locally are pushing back against new housing starts and construction. I've been here four years. I can't make up for the fact in 2005, we had an historic number of homeless under no. Republican administration. Right now, there's 171,000 S- escalated. Okay. Disgraceful. And, and all right, I'll compare to Florida again. Oh, yeah. twenty-six thousand. Of course. Okay. Same uh, weather, I mean, similar state. I mean, uh, I've lived in both. Dynamics are very different. That said, we own this, SEAN. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not here defending. No, THIS. Okay. but here's the difference. But you're going to build twelve hundred homes this year. I read. That's not true. You have a proposal. I just got sixty-eight thousand people off the streets last year. And by the way, that's been Politifact. Sixty-eight thousand. We had—I had, have a $15.3 billion homeless plan. When I got here, it was half a billion dollars. The state of California was not involved in the homeless issue. We got involved. We're holding cities and counties accountable. I'm suing cities that are not producing housing. Cons- housing. We actually have a 15-year high in new housing starts in the state of California. We're actually seeing programs produce real results. But I want accountability. I'm not the mayor of California. I'm governor of c- states larger than 21 states populations combined and the difference
1: between me and most politicians is I own this so he goes because again it's smart right let's give him credit there's no point sitting there and saying what are you talking about homelessness there's no problem Mm -hmm. because everyone can see the I mean it's just impossible to to, at least least he's not going to do that so he's got a different technique the technique is to own it as he keeps saying I own it right yeah Mm -hmm. it's terrible own it wait if you look it up there's, you know, like year after year since he's been there, that's what he's been saying. Like yep. all he ever does is say how much he owns it, but without actually doing anything about it. So that's on right. and on. And he was going on about I've put all this money in fifteen billion. Well, we know that that's t- t- total, totally wasted. And d- in, during the period that he's been putting all this money in, um, it's got worse because it's got the wrong policy. Because it's, I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about this endlessly. It's housing first, which means that you can't get treatment for addicts who etc but he, he says yeah i own it no you don't if you really owned it, it you would have done something about it and it's not like you've just shown up like you've been mm-hmm. there what is it in this job five and a half years it's just and and then before that L- lieutenant governor before that mayor of san francisco even on san francisco this was the shameless bit right he goes Sean played that clip of him from 2008 when he was mayor. It's a disgrace, the homeless issue out In here. 2008,
0: you, you had a 10-year plan. Yeah. I got the tape. Let me play for I'll you. Let's do it. San Francisco. We believe fundamentally that food solves hunger, that shelters solve sleep, and that housing solves homelessness. And if we're going to solve the problem uh, of those that are out on the streets that we define as homeless, we better solve the housing problem if we're going to have an impact and that's why we established this framework what we call a 10-year plan to end chronic homelessness in san francisco
1: where he promises to end homelessness uh, in t- was it 10 years or eight years i can't yep. remember um, and of course it's gotten much much worse and then because you know no one bothers to check these things or whatever he says yeah we did clean it up but now it's got worse so he's actually throwing under the bridge Ed Lee, I guess, who is his successor as mayor, and now London mm-hmm. Breed. Like, oh, it's their fault. Not my, it was great when I was there. That's totally could never crap. be my
2: fault. You know? It is. Well, and it's also, it's more than just his lack of activity as mayor of San Francisco or as lieutenant governor or as governor, he's actually made the problems worse that are causing, that are the yes. root cause of homelessness. So as you just mentioned, all of the green regulations, all of the crazy stuff to get stuff actually built in the state, right? Um, letting people out of prison because of COVID. Not that I don't think we we need real jail or prison exactly. reform. We absolutely do. But you've let a lot of people now out on the streets. They have no place to go, no rehabilitation. What are they going to do? They're going to fall back into trouble. You've totally made it a a, a norm now not to prosecute crimes in the state of California, to allow drug addicts to use on the street, to give them safe spaces so that they can use safely in communities. You've done all this. And it, so it's not even that he let it happen on his watch or he fixed it he's created the environment where it's flourishing yes.
1: and and this technique he has of oh, exactly right and of absolving himself and the way he talks mm-hmm. as if he's a bystander right you know like he's he's, just he's, watching. He's, a, he's a kind of commentator not a participant like oh isn't it terrible yeah we got like he's sort of sitting there yeah you know what we really need to do something about homelessness <laughs> like, yeah.
2: okay you're it's the government what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes you wonder, and I've thought about this before because many times people, our leaders on the left keep saying, We need more money. We need more yeah. money to fix homelessness. And we've spent so much money. There was that new report out billions of dollars yeah. on homelessness, and it's just getting worse. Um, do you think that they really believe that they need more money, or are they just not prepared to do what really needs to be done, which is the hard stuff, trying to help people find a way to a healthier lifestyle? Do you? I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't I know if that they, they really. I think believe they sincerely
1: that? believe. Well, that it's more it's, money. It's, is it's a re, No, it's a reflex. Actually, I, I don't know about. It's a great question. Um, I think it is a sincerely held belief, but I think it's also more than that. It's an automatic reflex. And right. so, for example, any time you hear a Democrat or a union leader or teachers' union whatever challenged on the complete disaster of California mm-hmm. public schools and the fact they particularly disadvantage the poorest, the most vulnerable Black and Latino families in our state, right? The, yeah, even, all the data is clear. I mean, I keep citing this particular data point. It's probably a bit out of date now, but the the measurement that I saw was that the average Black kid in a California public school. It's four years of education behind Uh, the average white kid. Four years, four calendar years. It's a complete disaster, right? Mm -hmm. Anytime you put this to anyone on the left, they say, yes, well, we need more resources in our schools. Like you've got the highest resources of any state. The resources have Mm -hmm. more than doubled. Like, they really have more than doubled in the last few years. I mean, you just look at the numbers. It's completely ridiculous. But it is their... Uh, it is their response to everything. More resources, more resources, more resources. And of course, then they never think about where the resource is coming from. It's from <laughs> taxes, which are driving people out because it's just got so ridiculous. People yep. just can't afford to live. And that's why you end up with 34% not being able to meet their basic needs. I mean, it's just incredibly frustrating. One last thing, uh, which uh, there's a couple of other things we're going to talk about think Gavin Newsom. But I have it's been quite interesting. It's been fun talking about this. I feel like I've got a lot off my chest. <laughs> I know, um, me too. <laughs> You know what I mean? But the thing is that... Um, uh, on the national stuff, right? Again, mm-hmm. here, like, you, you've got to engage with his art because he's very good, right? Let's just give him that. He can make the arguments, he has facts. And actually, somebody pointed out um uh, Carla Marinucci, I think, and she was a Politico. She's a ju- California focused journalist, been covering him for a long time. And I saw her point out, like anyone who's been covering Gavin Newsom should know that he's a real nerd about facts and statistics Mm -hmm. and just always has them. And so he, so when he, again, to your point earlier, Jen, that he clearly prepared for what he would get thrown at him. So inflation, right? Fox news, they're always going on about inflation, Biden, inflation. So he had the answer ready. And the answer was, actually, it's, it's not, it's not, it's true. Like he says, terrible Biden inflation and news and Newsom said, well, hang on a second. It's like 4.9% or whatever. It's actually lower than that today. Look at UK, look at France. It's six, whatever, 6% here, 10% there, blah, blah, blah. Are you saying that Biden caused inflation in the UK? Now that was the clip that I most saw. On on left wing progressive Democrat Twitter as like it. yeah he owned him you know so yep. that that particular bit he schooled Hannity and the... <laughs> well not really because actually you got to get engaged in the argument I just put this out on Twitter myself yeah inflation is coming down why because interest rates are up and what does that mean Thank people you. are suffering. And there's pain yep. and they're already suffering now and it's going to get a lot worse because these high interest rates are going to cause absolute havoc in the real estate market with property values and whatever. What happens then? All these banks, regional banks, local banks, highly exposed to real estate. It's We've barely begun to see the impact of these high interest rates. And so that all that pain and the coming pain that we're going to get because of the high interest rates. All thanks to the fact that they let the spending rip. So you can't just leave it and say, oh, yeah, it's finally come down after two years of kind of going up there. Yeah, of course it's coming down. It's a mechanical thing. You put up interest rates, inflation comes down. But what's the cost of of the interest rate rise? All of that could have been avoided. Like that argument just wasn't made.
2: That argument is exactly right. I was screaming at the television while uh, he was saying all this, and I'm screaming what you're talking about. Interest rates are up. It also was 1% under Trump just a few years ago. I mean, all you have to do is look at how Biden celebrated this when inflation was at 9%. He said, well, we brought it down. We've had the biggest drop in inflation. and Okay. It's at 6% now, but you drove it to 9%. And the bank collapses are a real thing that he should have probably addressed. Yeah, I mean, this affected our state greatly with Silicon Valley Bank. It's just The lack of planning, the lack of the ability to deal with inflation, the overspending, it was something that should have been brought up by Sean, and it wasn't. I wish you had been doing the interviews. Well, there You're we are. much more well-prepared. And can I add my two favorites? Yes. So I like, because you know he's obsessed with Ron DeSantis. He, yes hates Ron DeSantis. He said nice things about Trump. I couldn't believe it. He was so, well, I feel sorry for for Donald Trump. It's was very sad. He was very nice to me when he was president. What elected Democrat says that? Nobody says anything nice about Trump. Newsom does, which kind of wins over it, like softens the heart of the Trump supporter, right? Then hard on DeSantis. Hates him, hates him, hates him. Can't stand the illegal immigrants being shipped to California. And all Sean had was your sanctuary. state. he must have said it 50 million times. My question that I shouted at Sean to ask Gavin, and unfortunately didn't hear me through my television, (laughs) is the Biden administration has been doing the same thing under the guise of darkness. They've been taking people from the border and bringing them to upstate New York and into Minneapolis and into Chicago and all over the place. So if you're upset with Ron DeSantis, are you writing with the same uh, vim and vigor letters to the Biden administration to stop busing and shipping and flying people all over the country? Not a
1: peep, I know. not a
2: peep. And that was another time when Newsom got the best of Hannity by saying, we welcome in everybody. I, I mean, he didn't even have to tap dance away from just that singular sanctuary state argument. The other
1: point about, about Ron DeSantis I thought was interesting. Mm. Again, like it's, it's a sort of funny game he's playing. I think it is to ingratiate himself with Trump support. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Was was um, Did you notice what he said about DeSantis? Like he, he was just totally dismissive of him. He said, he's going to clean his clock. Trump. He did. He's, He's going to clean, clean his, his
2: clock. clock. He also, because Sean Hannity says, "Oh, I want, I want to have a debate special between you. You'd be first governor, and and Governor DeSantis, and D- Newsom's response. Oh, I've been wanting to do this forever. Let's do it. Let's make it happen." Yes. And and Hannity says, "Well, how about two uh, two hours on the economy? Make it three, Sean. Yeah. Make it three. <laughs> I mean, that was the confidence that I think yes. would play with people that he was allowed to roll out. He also handled that French laundry thing very yes. well, which was a huge embarrassment. And he just owned it and said that was a stupid thing. Instead of trying to defend himself, that's a lesson in basic public yes. relations yes. that is taught in PR school. When I, my major's in public relations, you own it because then yes. nobody can say anything else about it.
1: And he didn't really, uh. and, and also he did he did it in a way, again, it's it's very frustrating because to me, you know, we're getting further and further away mm-hmm. from the pandemic. And he absolutely right. needs to be held accountable for... He, and that was percent. really on him, all that pandemic, because yep. so, he took emergency powers, right? So everything that happened, you could say that's on him. The school yeah. closures, I know, you know, he wouldn't make the unions do it because they pay his, you know, bill, their, the, his, their puppet, um, because they're his donors. Um, mm-hmm. The school closures, the small business closures, everything, right? That was the, the stupidity of ma- not masking months. toddlers, arresting people on the, you know, sp- sp- stand up paddleboarding in the ocean on their own. You know, this madness that we saw closing kids' playgrounds outdoors on and on. You know, I I don't want to get too upset because it's so upsetting. But right. The further away we get from it, the further diminishes the kind of political impact, I think, in terms of... He's skating. Exactly. And so that's the French laundry, as it were, is a way back into that. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. and, And that actually it was not about the French laundry. It's about the fact that everything else was shut. And what, it was it's not about the fact that he broke the rules so much as the rules themselves were so outrageous. Um, the
2: rules were crazy and they weren't for him exactly. and they weren't for his friends. And so he can do and, it. And,
1: and as you say, it's a very politically skillful and, and it was, he didn't do it in a, in a slightly kind of, you know, you know, slippery way where he tried no. to sort of justify it. I didn't know. It was dumb he said it multiple I I think over and over again, dumb, I shouldn't have done it, whatever. He did make he did slip in one little thing saying it wasn't illegal, but it was stupid right. or something. I noticed that. He did say that, that. Right? He didn't want to it get it. It wasn't
2: illegal, <laughs> but it was stupid. And Hannity didn't press on the COVID closures. That is what triggered the recall of Gavin Newsom, yes. was the fact yes. that he had taken executive power and he took over the state. And yeah. that's really what triggered that recall effort. And that was left behind. And really, if you don't realize the threat of Gavin Newsom, whoever is going to run against him, whether it's now or in four years, he's going to run. That needs to be, he needs to be held accountable for that because what is going to stop him from taking that power again, but this time have the whole country as his playground.
1: And and what it tells you, and people say, well, it's a once in a lifetime pandemic, whatever, whatever. What it Here's why it's important, because I think this this is a very important point for people to understand about politics, which is, and I've been in it and around it a long time. Anyone can make up a list of promises, right? Here's what Mm -hmm. I'm going to do. Here's my agenda. Here's my 10 point plan or my commitment to America, whatever you want to call it, right? Anyone can do that. Um, in the end, mostly what happens in the real life of running a government at whatever level is how you respond to unpredictable future events whether they're big or small. That's actually what most of it is. Most of the time when you're running a government, you're not actually, you know, diligently going through your checklist. I mean, you're trying. Of course you are. Mm -hmm. You're saying, I made these promises. I want to get them delivered. Promises made, promises kept. And actually you could say Trump did a good job of of powering through. Most people don't get to do that. But you're thrown off course by all sorts of things that you just don't predict. And the voters can't predict. You can't, you're not really able. Of course, by definition, you can't predict what they're going to be. And so... The real thing you should be looking for in a candidate is not whether you like their promises. It's Mm -hmm. what their character is in terms of what that tells you about how they would react to future unpredictable events. And what the pandemic tells us about Gavin Newsom is that he is weak in the face of technocrats and bureaucrats and the unions and his donors in standing up to them saying, sorry, no, no. We're not doing this. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Whatever. He didn't do any of that. He completely caved. He wanted to get the approval of the media who, who become sort of completely COVID obsessed and the group think. And that is that's the deep point about mm-hmm. the pandemic stuff that should have been brought out.
2: And he created the ultimate victim. And the victim is our kids. I mean, you look at all of the greats graduation season, you look at all of the kids that are graduating. These are all COVID kids that are graduating. They lost exactly. a year and a half because of him. And so if he were going to victimize anybody, he victimized the worst possible people, not just economically, you know, hurting us and, and our businesses, but he hurt our kids and there's no getting back. Those kids are never going to recover the year and a half he took from them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, what about if the other thing? Were... Actually, that, rem- sorry, I'm getting, sorry to cut you off. But I mean, how the, this didn't come up, right? Mm-hmm. It was actually the thing, funnily enough, I've said this before, I'll say it again for the record if people haven't heard me say it before. At the beginning of the pandemic, Gavin Newsom, I was, t- I was kind of, you know, trying to be supportive. It's a very tough thing for someone in an executive position. I've been in government myself. I know it's really hard, right? You're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, get it right. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt and I was open and I would, you know, I know him a little bit. We have friends in common. I was sending him emails about, I'd, you know, things that could be useful. Like someone I knew said they had a good contact for, you know, what was it called? What was it called? The PPE, right? The, the, the PPE, you know, all that yeah. Stuff, right? Ventilators. All these, gosh, do you remember that's all we were talking about for a while? Anyway, so, you know, I was trying to be supportive. And then a, a few things happened in succession. I remember it so clearly, it was the second half of 2020 that just completely turned me around. And mm-hmm. the first, what well, the middle one was French Laundry. And the last one was the absolutely insane ban on outdoor dining um, after, I think it was after Thanksgiving, either around Thanksgiving yeah. 2020. It was
2: right at Thanksgiving. You're exactly. right about and
1: that. And it was that, you know, do you remember Angela, I can't remember her surname from Pineapple. Marsden. Right. Angela Marsden. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All of that. So that, that was the final straw. That was the third one. Second one was French laundry. The first one was when he did that interview about kids and oh, how yeah. tough it is for parents at Zoom school, like when his it. own kids in were in re- in person school.
2: It was, un- he, that seriously, his handling of COVID should have been the top story on Hannity. And I know it's not as fun as talking about Ron DeSantis and all that stuff, but this shows you his leadership and you're right under duress. This is something that was unexpected. And it shows you he did not have the character. He didn't have the backbone and he didn't have the intelligence to fight the people who wanted to close us down and explain why that was a bad idea. And so the only thing that you can believe then is that He thought it was right for us to hide. So God forbid you've got another pandemic. God forbid you've got China knocking on our door. Is the answer going to be to just lock the door and and throw away the key? Or are you going to get out there and you're going to take on all of this stuff head on? And are you going to be a fair arbiter of of policy? Because he was not. Everything that he did served himself, it served the teachers' union, it yes. did not serve us, and it didn't serve our kids.
1: Exactly right. And you can apply it to all sorts of policy where you're in the room, and again, I've been in those rooms, and you have all the time, you have yeah. people who are, you know, in the bowels of the bureaucracy or the whatever agency it is or whatever, and they come in and you have a policy meeting. They're, what do we do about this? It's a new thing. Okay. I mean, it could be anything. Um mm-hmm and and there's like the whole table usually almost exclusively are saying oh we have to be cautious don't do the you know we can't have that you know that the whole bias of the system is for yeah. being cautious avoiding risk saying no to think you know that that's the that's what you're dealing with as an executive and so what was revealed in the pandemic was was he just went along with it all
2: he did and, and that and you know is what?
1: really dangerous. And that's why you that's why everything ends up being so sclerotic and a mess, because you need people who are gonna bust through. And this is I just wanna do want to bring it back to Trump. I mean, he doesn't get any credit for anything to do with policy or whatever. And but the mentality, like so many of the leaks, this is I felt a real empathy in this sense. Yep. So many of the leaks remember going back to the Trump years, so much of the leaking was from the from the bureaucracy. And and, and you know, he was rude in this meeting, whatever. And it's because, actually, he was taking on the bureaucrats right. and, and fighting these battles, I'm sure, every single day. He was day, pushing back. Where he'd sit there and think, obviously, like a common sense, but, you know, we should be doing this. And there's like a room full of people saying no. And he said, what? Like, why yeah. can't we? And then some of the leaks were... You know why? Why can't we do this? Or why?
2: You know, I mm-hmm. can't be okay. The most and those people were given parades when they on exactly. Trump, and, right? And so
1: I just think it's a very, very important characteristic in a leader is, is to be able to, to challenge and stand up to the institutional bias in favor of crap.
2: Yes, and get the job done for the people you promised. And that that's why really I think so many insiders despise Trump is because he made a promise yeah. to people, he connected with people, he tried to deliver it to people. And then all of a sudden uh, the bureaucrats weren't able to yes, make themselves and I think this, this, stronger. Yes,
1: and I, don't, I think and he was actually stunned. Sorry, Jen, to cut you off, but I think he was yeah. actually stunned at the degree to which. I just we think he had a very kind of old fashioned view. Like I got elected, yeah. I made these promises, now we're going to do it.
2: <laughs> now you're going to listen to me. There and like, yeah, and it got seems very simple. Every single
1: person around him, every single one, basically,
2: um, like trying to stop you. Got him. me fired up though, because there's one more comment, and then I it, with Gavin Newsom. How dare the fact that he comes out now and screams about systemic racism? And he's got to let out open up the jails and let people out because we are a systemically racist and biased state and country. And he's talking about reparations and all this when he kept minority kids home from school for 18 months while his white kids went to private school. You can't be the guy who cries about being systemically racist when you are creating policies that is feeding that argument.
1: Yes. And will be and will result in generational mm. poverty. I mean, that's the uh, that's the yeah. other thing, which is that, socioeconomic you know, they bring exactly. In the the um, reparations argument, which came up, and he kind of skated mm. on that as well. Um, I mean, like that's that's the other. Po- oh, yeah, sorry, that's another one. Sorry, I, we got to stop soon because like probably <laughs> like
2: five hours <laughs> of us throwing and
1: <laughs> cutting <laughs> apart Newsom and Hannity. But, like the thing is that there was there was the, the reparations. Like again, it's like this bystander. Like he like he. Uh, he the way he talked about it was amazing, right? Yeah. He goes, well, there's been this group and they've done this work and it's very good work and we appreciate it. But, you know, da, da. he's the one that set up the group. It's his
2: because group. Because he made us, it's his group. Some, he's like, the one it's that like, made the oh, promise. well, some
1: people did a group and I'm, it's your, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to curse, but like, it's your
2: group. You set it up. It's his. It's his group. <laughs> <laughs> just, what? Like, he's like, I don't know where this group came from. <laughs> like, uh, they just showed up here one I know, day. <laughs> it's
1: absolutely amazing, and like, like he just sort of got away with it. It was just uh, amazing. And then you know, to be gosh. fair, and then he's saying, oh, it's not just about money. Yeah, okay, but like you set it up to look at money. Yeah, I mean that's the terms that's, of the thing. I mean that's the basis on which me. you established it was to do if, reparations. It wasn't called the kind of racial injustice task force. It was called reparations. Reparations means money. Anybody, That's what it means.
2: Anybody who hears the word reparations, hears a cash exactly. register going cha-ching exactly. in the background. So he didn't That's do, he didn't
1: do, and, and let's go back mm-hmm. and you know check the record. It was after George Floyd and there was all this conversation yep. about systemic racial injustice and whatever. And I have a lot of sympathy for a lot of that. There's lots of terrible racial injustice happened over the years in California. We saw it with the redlining and access to homeownership and loans to start businesses, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. That's true. And, that, and, we and, and you still state. see the legacy of that today. The wealth gap between black and white, massive. Need to do something about it. What we do about it, as we were just touching on, in school choice, so we can get the, the kind of upward, mm-hmm. upward mobility. We can do business, uh, you know, entrepreneurship um, support system, et cetera. You can do a housing, build more housing. It's, there's a whole bunch of things you can and should do to close the yep. racial wealth gap, okay?
2: And good policy will do that. Exactly. And everybody will benefit, by that. But that's
1: not the what they said. That's no. not the terms on which this thing was set up. It was set up as the reparations task. force. the name. Mm-hmm. It's in the name. And so <laughs> it's on their t-shirt. And he set it up. <laughs> so it's all very well now to turn around when they get this massive bill that's unaffordable and undeliverable, like whatever trillion is. Oh, well, it's not just about money. Hang on a second. You're the one that set it up and you put the money part in the
2: title of the group. Of course. Oh, it's just uh, I know. like nobody.
1: <sighs> Sorry.
2: Okay, so next time. <laughs> He wants to be interviewed. I think we're going to have to write at least some note cards for Sean.
1: By the way, (laughs) that was the other thing. Did you remember those charts that he had in that rustling paper bag? What was that about? Uh,
2: (laughs) I don't know.
1: I think the producers there could have given him something less rustly.
2: Uh, Very weird, like
1: fiddling around. Like that. Can you get rid of that bag?
2: Throw that out. Those are my great ideas. That's his good idea bag that he carries with him. I know.
1: Very funny. All right. Listen, let's start. I'm not, I I think we just call it a day. That was great. I know. We have all these other very important policy topics. We'll have to save them for our next conversation. I think we covered a lot of ground, as they say.
2: We did. And it was fun. You know, we had to, we had to, you had to go through that. And hopefully you all had a chance to see the interview. If not, go back and watch it. Well, we've talked definitely for longer
1: than the interview. So that's (laughs) that's something.
2: Sorry, it's, it's our master class. Yes, on i the remember, some in not interview.
1: Like, I remember I know I feel it very clearly because when you do these shows, like the timing is very, you know, because you have the ad break. So actually the it's not an hour, it's like 41 minutes or something. So yeah, you know, we, we were over that. But we've had a great <laughs> conversation. No ads here. Um that was fantastic. Nope. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jen. See you soon.
2: Thanks, Steve.
1: All right, there you are. Um I hope you enjoyed that as much as we just did. Um thank you for supporting the steve hilton show uh please go to goldentogether.com, check out what we're doing there uh, we'll see you back here soon for the next episode remember to follow the show on apple spotify youtube wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget we have a national politics edition now that we've added for the steve hilton show and you can see that on twitter so you better follow me on twitter at steve hilton x we'll see you soon